0: You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Okay, this morning here I get the chance to, uh, to continue on our Joel series. And I'm going to get uh, Justin just to bring my uh, teaching monitor over so that I can uh, get ready to teach the Word of God. If you want to, you can grab your church app and you can open up the notes. We've got the notes for this morning's message in the church app. If you also have your Bible with you, can you please turn to Joel chapter 1. All right? We're doing verses what, no, 13 to 20. Have you ever been in a situation where you've hit rock bottom? You've hit rock bottom, and you're asking God questions like these here. And God, why is this happening to me? You know, why me? Uh, Where are you in this, God? Uh, God, what do you want from me in a situation like this? Have you ever asked God those questions? You've hit rock bottom, you've got nowhere to run, and you're asking God, why why? Why? And I'm very sure the citizens of Jerusalem would have asked God the same questions. Because you remember last week, uh, James Siao did an exceptional job expounding uh, verses 1 to 12. Uh, James, thank you so much. I know you're thinking a photo of me. Good look, good angle. Can you give James a round of applause? I mean... I, am, I, I, I have to be probably one of the blessed pastors going around town that when I'm not around preaching here, uh, the, the preachers that we have here just takes it to the next level. And it's a joy to know that I could leave this, this, the service and whoever's preaching would do a faithful job expanding the Word of God. But James reminded us last week, if you remember, the people of God, the people of Judah specifically, They're now facing this invasion from locusts. These these locusts have come and invaded, uh, I guess, God's people, all the crops. And and God would send a prophet by the name of Joel to speak to his people. And Joel's mission was simply to, to awaken them, tell them to face the facts that this is happening, to mourn, to weep. We're not quite sure of the specific sin, because the scroll or or the the book of Joel doesn't tell us their sin, but we we, we think it's got to do with disobedience. And Joel would tell them to face the facts that what you are seeing with the invasion of these locusts is a form of God's judgment for God's very own people. Remember what James said last week? He began to 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 address what? He addressed the 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 I guess the, the drunkards, right? The, the wine lovers. He tells them to face the facts that this is happening because God is judging you. And then Joel begins to move to, I guess James was saying, the worshippers or, or the citizens of, of Jerusalem. Wake up and face the facts that what you're experiencing is God's form of judgment. And then he, he begins to turn to what? The farmers. Yeah? All the farmers. Face the facts that what you're experiencing is. Is God's judgment. And this morning's passage is from verses 13 to 20. He begins to direct his attention to the spiritual leaders, to the, uh, the priests and, and, the, and the ministers and the elders. And he begins to tell them to face the facts, but gives them specific instructions on what to do next to help God's people to return, to come back to God. So, I title this message here A Time to Return. And from verses 13 to 20, I see three things that we can learn together as we return to God. Number one, that God desires to hear us in our pain. In our pain, in our suffering, God wants you to cry to Him, God wants to hear from you. Number two, God desires immediate repentance. Don't delay, repent immediately. And God desires all, that's everyone, to return back to Him. That's where we're going this morning. So if you have your Bible, do turn to Joel chapter 1, verses 13 to 20, or open up the church app. Let me pray. Invite God to be our great teacher right now. Let's pray. And God, I pray now that you would help me to expound your word with clarity. And I pray, God, that you would speak to your people through me. As we study your word, and Lord, that we're not just hearers, but we are also doers. And I pray right now, God, that you would begin to speak to some who needs to return to you, who needs to repent immediately. So I pray, would you help me in this time? Would you open our eyes and our ears to receive your word? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, are you ready? If you have your Bible, turn with me there. Let's go to the very first point here, that God, he wants to hear us He wants to hear us in our pain. Look in verse 13. Look what he says. He says, put on sackcloth and lament, you priests. Wail, you ministers of the altar. The first thing he does, right, is he says to the spiritual leaders, the priests, the ministers, you are to set an example. It starts with you. Now, I'm reading this and I'm studying this and this is hitting me hard. Because, you know, as a, as a pastor, you know, we're perceived to be perfect. Uh, we don't need to come to the altar to receive prayer and repent. No, no, no. God says, through Joel, it starts with you, the spiritual leaders. You are to set an example for my people. He says, come, you know, pass the night in sackcloth, you ministers of my God. Grain offerings and drink offerings are with, withheld from the house of your God. What is he saying? He says... All you ministers, remove your white worship garment, put on these sackcloths. They're coarse, they're they're hairy, and they're brown, they're smelly. Put them on. You know, sackcloth back then was this huge blanket that you put on as a sign of humility, as a sign of remorse, as a sign of, of mourning, grieving. And he says, the ministers, the spiritual leaders, you have to do that. It starts with you. You need to mourn. You need to repent. You need to turn to God. And he begins to move on. Verse 14, he says, sanctify a fast. Secondly, he says, begin to fast. Give away something that you enjoy so that that time would be spent seeking God. For most of us, a fast is giving up Uh, uh, maybe a meal. Is that right? Uh, Don't eat. And next week, I'll be spending most of next week away as I do every year in solitude, away from my family, away from church, fasting, seeking God for vision 2022. That happens next week for me. So when we fast, we we give something away so that that time is to seek God for clarity. For some of us, it may be, I don't know, uh, computer games. You can... Give up computer games, but giving up computer games doesn't mean that you replace that time surfing the internet. No, no. You give up something so that you have the time to seek God. And he says the second thing you need to do is you need to sanctify, in other words, set apart a fast. He says to the priest, the third thing I want you to do is I want you to call a solemn assembly, that everyone's going to come and this whole morning, this whole putting on sackcloth and fasting and weeping is to be done, not privately, but publicly. We're, we're going to do this together. That's why it's so important that we come on, on, on a Sunday or in a small group and we receive prayer or we begin to pray and we do it publicly. It's actually, there's something powerful about that. You don't have to do it privately, but he says, thirdly, you're to do it publicly and then fourthly, what he says, he says, Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord and your God and cry out to the Lord. Fourthly, this is where I want to land my first point here, is that your mourning, your weeping, should be directed towards God. This is the first time in the scroll that Joel would say, your mourning should be directed towards God. Previously to that, it was really listen to Wake up, see what's happening, mourn, but not to God. Right here in verse 14, he says you're to direct your mourning, your cries towards God. This is very important for us to understand this. It's because sometimes when we mourn and sometimes when we weep, we direct it to the air. In our disappointments, in our hurts, sometimes we just cry out and we just cry ourselves to bed, we might run to our friends, we may run to ourselves, you know, we may binge and watch Netflix, or we might just go and do some retail therapy. We take our burdens to our, our workplaces and to the offices, and, and as soon as someone gives us that evil stare, we just lose our cool, we, we take it out on our loved ones. And it doesn't help when the world begins to give us phrases like this, you know, when life gives you a lemon, make lemonade. We've, we've read this before. We know this, right? This talks about positivity. This talks about you can turn the, the bad into good. You can fix yourself. You can sort it out. But that's not what we see in the Bible. See, the Bible says that we are not our Savior. God is our Savior. That we are to run towards God that our cries are directed towards God. You see, the people of God here knew what took place in Egypt. If you know in uh, Exodus chapter 2, when the people of God cried in their suffering because they were being oppressed by the Egyptians, the text doesn't actually say that they cried out to God. The text just said that in chapter 2 of Exodus that they cried out and they weeped and they mourned, but it wasn't directed towards God, but God in his grace, he heard their cries and he saw their tears and he intervened and he sent a savior, Moses. But right here, Joel says, your mourning and your weeping, your cries is to be directed towards God because God is so close and God wants to hear from you. Seek God. And for some of us this morning, I want to remind you that, that right now you are in a period of suffering, you are hurting, and I don't know who you're crying out to. I don't know if you're running towards God or you're running towards your best mate or you're running towards people who are going to say the things that you want them to say, the things that you want to hear. But God is saying, no, you are to cry out to him because he's so near. He's so close. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to run to him first. And that's what he's saying to the people of God. And that's what he's saying to you and I today. That God wants to hear your cries in your pain. Are you crying out to God today? Or are you just crying out to someone are you crying yourself to bed? Are you crying yourself to your friends? Are you trying to fix things out yourself? Are you trying to be your own savior? See, that breaks the heart of God, because God wants to be your savior. God wants to be the person that you run to first in your time of need, in your desperation. He wants to hear you in your pain. God is waiting for you to say, "God, I, I'm struggling." God, I really need your help here. I'm not quite sure what is happening, but I'm running towards you first and not the people around me. I'm looking at you as my Savior and not me as my Savior. And that's very important for us to understand. You know, in the Gospel, when Jesus faced any troubles or when Jesus was worried, if you read the Gospel, what do you notice? He would always find a, a quiet place in a time away from his disciples to do what? To cry out to who? To his Father. Is that right? And if Jesus, our Lord, would cry out to his Father, would run to his Father first, surely that's a lesson for you and I today. That we too are to bring all our struggles, all our anxiety towards God, and not the people around us, and not us. Go towards God first. Cry out towards God, because he wants to hear you in your pain. He wants to hear you in your suffering because right now I believe there are some of you right now, listen carefully, you are struggling and you are hurting and you haven't run towards God yet. You've been trying to fix it yourself. You're hopping on Google. I don't know where you are going, but God is telling me to tell you that it's time to cry out to him. Don't try to be your own Savior. He is your Savior. Cast all your anxieties upon Him because He knows what you're going through and He longs to hear from you. He's so close to you. Peter says this once in 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, cast all your anxiety on Him. Because why? Because He loves you and He cares for you. He wants to hear from you. And that's what the prophet Joel does. He says to the people, I want you to now cry out, weep, mourn, and directed towards god amen that's the first thing there the second thing is this he says that we need this idea of immediate repentance god desires immediate repentance continue on the text look in verse 15 he says this alas for the day for the day of the lord is near and as destruction from the almighty comes now this is where i want to pause for one second The day of the Lord is something we see a lot in prophetic literature. Five times we see it in this scroll. This is the first time we see it, all right? Some 18 times in the book of Obadiah, Zephaniah, Amos, Joel. The people of God knew what this meant, all right? The day of the Lord is this day where God would actually exercise his authority, his power to judge the wicked, all right? I wrote down here when God would exercise his power and authority over God's enemies. All right? The people of God knew that. Right? So, what Joel would say is that what you experience with the locusts is a day, but not the day. In other words, what you've experienced with the locusts invading the crop is a day of the Lord, but the day of the Lord is around the corner. It's near. All right. Now he begins to describe this day where God would, would destroy and, and judge his enemies and release his people. Now let's read on verses 16 onwards. He says this, Is not the food cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? Verse 17, the seed shrivels under the clods. The storehouse are desolate. The granaries are ruined because the grains has failed. Obviously, there's no grain, so there's no grains in the granaries. Verse 18, how the animals groan. Now, he introduces the animal, they're groaning. The herds of cattle wander about because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep are dazed. He begins to describe this day. Now, when I want to ask you this question, and that's a bit of fun, okay? Here we go. Who is God directing judgment? Think about it A, God's enemies, or B, God's people? I just read this description this, this of this day, the day of the Lord. He says it's around the corner, it's near, and he begins to describe it. Now, let me ask this question Who is God directing judgment towards God's enemies? god's people okay i'm gonna ask you the question okay hands up back in the classroom days hands up if you think the description from verses 16 to 18 is god is directing it against his enemies okay one or two okay who thinks it's god's people oh, a bit more who didn't put up your hand because you're just too cool for school Obviously, if you read it carefully, it was God's people. Now, this would have been a shock. Because just previously, they've had the invasion of the locusts. And now he says that, oh, by the way, that's not the day of the Lord. What you've experienced is not it. It's near. And it's going to be destruction upon you. I'm just thinking, if I I were the citizen of Jerusalem... And I've experienced the the locusts, and I'm now going, What a minute, you're saying it's directed towards me. That's wrong. I'm expecting a word of comfort. I'm expecting the, the prophet to lift up my spirit. But he's saying, no, no, the seed, your seed will shrivel. There'll be no grains for you. Your animals, they will groan. There's no pasture for your cattle. And you know what? It's around the corner. You better get your act together. It's around the corner. It is near. Have you ever, listen, have you ever been in a situation where the deadline of a project is around the corner and you haven't started the project yet? Have you been there? Yeah, I know, I know. Like maybe right now you're studying, you're a student studying and I'm preaching right now and you realize, oh my goodness, I've got an assignment due tomorrow. Right? I, I, better, I better start the assignment tonight after the church. Right? Have you ever been in a situation where you know it's around the corner and you go, I better get my act together? Yeah, 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 come on. You know, Some, some years ago, uh, my, my wife and I, we, we, we went to look for a house, the house that we're living today. One Saturday morning, I won't forget it, no intention to buy the house, no intention at all. I wasn't interested. Train goes, let's just go and look at this house sure, let's just go. I didn't actually go into the house. I was outside with the kids. She's looking at the house, and then she comes back, she goes, I really like the house. And I'm like, good on you. She goes, uh, we need to buy the house. We should put a deposit and offer into the house. And I'm like, no, we can't. You know, I haven't looked at the house yet, and uh, we don't even have the money. What are you talking about? I'm very happy where I am. And you know, fellas, you know what I mean, right? When, when your, your wives give you that look, the boyfriends don't get this yet, but the, the, the husband you get this when the wives give you that look we need to buy that house right you have to buy the house you know that saying right happy wife longer life right you know you know that saying right and so we we put an offer in I kid you not I only spent like five ten minutes quick looking at the house we put the offer in and that evening we get a phone call from the agent Congratulations the house is yours and we Place it subject to finance three to four weeks, and I am now panicking. I've realized now it's getting serious. I've got to find the finances, I've got to find the deposit, I've got to put the current house we're on the market, and we're going to get everything ready within three to four weeks. Uh, Do you think I took my time? Do you think I kind of relaxed a bit? Uh, Definitely not. I got the ball rolling, it was immediate. We had to do all that we can to get things ready in those three to four weeks. So when the people of God heard this, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, there was now an an urgency to get things right. It was now a call to repent immediately. Turn away from your wickedness now. So important for us to understand that for some of us, listen carefully, today is the day you need to repent. Today is the day you need to be honest with God, confess your sin, tell Him the things that you've done, and turn back to Him. There is no day like today. This is the perfect day to repent. Don't waste your time. If you want change, you need to start today. Don't waste any of your precious time thinking, I'm not ready to repent. I'm not ready to confess my sin. I'll just let myself suffer a bit longer. And then when I'm ready, I will repent. No, no. It needs to be done now. God wants to hear from you today. And for some of you, you need to do business with God today. You're hiding And you're running away from God. There is a sin. There are some things that you need to confess. And there's no better day than today. You need to repent today. And God desires that in all of us right now. I want you to know that. I know what in Psalms 32, look what the psalmist says. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my inequity. Lord, I, I acknowledge that I've messed up. I've acknowledged what I've said and what I've done and that secret I've, I've kind of hidden away that no one knows. But you know, I'm not going to cover that anymore. He says, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And look what he says then: and you forgave the guilt of my sin. We need to understand that when we confess that God is not out there to judge us. God is not making matters worse. God is not going to you know, condemn you and make you feel bad. God's going to forgive you. And God wants to set you free, and God wants you to hide in His grace, and don't hide in your shame. God wants you to turn to Him and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I messed up last night. I messed up during the week. I messed up last month. I messed up those years ago, and I've been running away, and I think I could hide. No, you can't hide from God. You need to repent. You need to do it immediately. There's no better day than today. He says, alas, the day is here. It's near. And I want you to know that God desires that you repent immediately. And that's for some of you this morning. Don't think that God has forgotten. God hasn't. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to tell him, I'm sorry. I need your help. Can you give me strength not to mess up again? Do it today. Amen. And thirdly, God desires all to return. Every one of us to return. Look with me in the last two verses of this morning. He says, To you, O Lord, I cry, for fire has devoured the pasture of the wilderness, and the flames have burned all the trees of the field verse 20 the last verse even the wild animals cry to you because the water courses are dried up and fire has devoured the pasture of the wilderness what do you notice here verse 19 he says i this is now the prophet i cry out he includes himself as the people of judah the citizens of jerusalem because i'm part of i'm crying out look in verse 20 look who cries out now the animals cry out but you notice in both of these right There's something that's causing them to cry out. Look carefully. For, that's because fire has devoured everything. Look at verse 20. Because the courts are dried up and the fire has devoured everything. Can you see that? He's saying the reason why I'm crying out is because there's fire around me. It's burning me up. I I read this and it takes me back to uh, 18 months ago. If you remember at the beginning of 2020 before COVID hit, uh, our country, especially our state, we were hit with the bushfires. I've I've got this picture here, right? Uh, The bushfire. I, I, I remember watching footage of the bushfire on the news and how animals were just running away, escaping the bushfire, and there was this ring of fire. I saw one... One image, one footage, where it was like a little a ring of fire consuming the the forestry, everything in the middle, and there were animals trapped in the middle. They couldn't run anywhere. Why they were in the middle of this ring? And as I read through uh, Joel, I saw that. I saw there was this ring of fire, and the people of God, they're inside this ring, and they realize that they have nowhere to run where can they go every angle there's fire approaching them is that you are you in a situation where you've got nowhere to go like you look left you look right and you've got no way out you've hit rock bottom and you cannot go any further down is that you Are you in a situation right now where you've realized you're in this ring of fire and you've got nowhere to go now and the only person to run to is to return back to God? Is that you? You see, I really believe that sometimes in life, God allows us to be in this ring of fire where we've got nowhere to run but accept back to Him. I believe sometimes in life, for some of us, we hit rock bottom and we cannot go any further down. And the only way is to go back up and return back to God. I think for some of us, we need to return back to God. And that's why the prophet says, We all need to return. Is that you? I really believe with all my heart for some of you here, you, you don't know Jesus yet. And, and you're in this ring where you've tried all these options and you, you can't get out. You're in a situation where you've hit rock bottom and you just can't go anywhere but to go back to God. Is that you this morning? Is it time to return back to God? Is it time to come home? It reminds me of a parable that Jesus once shared that is recorded in Luke 15. For most of us, you may know that parable. It's a parable of, of the lost son. In this parable here, we know the story. There are two brothers. The younger son said to the father, I really want you dead because I want my share of the inheritance. I want my share now. And, and the father, he was very, very sad and, and he, he began to give the son's share of the inheritance. Let me read you What happens next? As the son begins to grab his share of the inheritance, not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. He was desperate. So he went and he hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach, we know because he was hungry, with the food, the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father's house, to return, to go back home, to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and Father, I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way, his father saw him. That's his father. Filled with joy and compassion for him, his father ran towards him, threw his arms around his son and kissed him. You see, the parable of the lost son speaks of someone who's hit rock bottom, who's got nowhere to run. Maybe someone in the middle of that ring of fire with nowhere to go and realize that destruction is coming. But there's only one way to go, that's to return back to him. And for some of you, I want you to know that God is waiting for you with open arms, to wrap His arms around you, to hug you and to kiss you, to say, welcome home. I've longed for you to return. God desires all to return, every single one of us. And for some of you here this morning, you are here not because it's a coincidence. God wants you to be here. For some of you, you're here this morning because God needs you to hear this message. That you have been crying out to someone other than God it's time to cry out to God for some of you it's time to repent today and for some of you it's time to return home right now God loves you He wants you He wants you home I don't know where you're at I don't know what God is speaking to you through me this morning but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that With all eyes closed, let me begin to give us an opportunity to respond to the Word of God here. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you. If that is you, the first person, group, that you are saying, well, Pastor, uh, I'm in pain, I'm in grief, but I haven't really cried out to God. If that is you, This is the time to cry to God right now. Begin to to speak to Him. Begin to tell Him your struggles. Begin to ask Him questions. I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't like it. What is it you want of me? Why am I going through this? If that is you, begin to pray that out right now. You pray that out right now. The second... You need to repent. And there's no better day than today and God desires you to repent immediately. He's not there to judge you. He's not there to condemn you. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to hide in His grace right now. He will set you free. If that is you, you do it right now. You begin to repent right now. You begin to say, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm going to give you a chance to do it right now. And lastly, if you are someone who you're like, Pastor Ayah, I'm in that ring of fire. I've got nowhere to run. I've hit rock bottom and I need Jesus in my life. I'm not a Christian yet, but I've been coming along for, for some weeks, some months, and this is the day that I want to return back to Him. If that is you and you want to receive Jesus in your life, For the first time, all I want you to do is raise up your hands and I'm going to pray for you. And I guarantee you the new life in Jesus is the best life ever. So that is you. I'm going to give you an opportunity now to raise your hands. Is there anyone here who says, yeah, pastor, that is me. I need Jesus. I need to return home right now. You raise your hands. That is you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise you, God, for your word, Lord. Thank you so much, That. You have spoken to us. Thank you so much. Your word is so alive and so relevant. And I really believe right now, God, healing is taking place right now. I really believe right now, God, for some of your people right now, they're crying out to you. They're seeking you for wisdom. They're seeking you for advice. I really believe right now some of your people, they're confessing their sin. They're repenting right now. And I really believe right now, Holy Spirit, there's such cleansing. There's such a liberation right now upon their hearts. I give you praise for that. And I thank you so much that you are drawing some back home. Will you bless those who need you? Thank you so much that you include us. No matter where we are, on this journey of faith, will you bless us, Lord? Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. We love you. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I just want to encourage you. I want to really encourage you to continue to read chapter 12. I mean so chapter 2 for next week. As we begin to go deeper into this amazing book series. Okay? As you go out. I pray that God will bless you. I pray that God will use you to, to do what you need to do. If for some of you, you need to do business with God and you need some prayer, we're gonna just going to have this time at the front so that we can pray with you.